0: Or am I? Good morning. I'm Judith Lay and this is Praise, the programme that connects faith and daily life. On the programme today, I have more news of that historic joining together of two Ramsey Church congregations and some people share precious memories of their dads as we celebrate Happy Father's Day. I remember once hearing a Father's Day sermon in which the minister said that God gives us the example of how to be a perfect parent. In God we find what all parents, guardians and carers want to bring to our relationships, unconditional love, non-judgmental forgiveness, guidance and support. So let's begin with a hymn that celebrates that care that God has for each one of us. Dear Lord and Father of Mankind, a great hymn of comfort, reminding us of God's care for every single one of us. Times of celebration, like Father's Day, are also times for remembering. And we're joined now by some members of the GRF Christian Broadcasting team from Glasgow, sharing memories of their dads.
1: Last night I dreamt I was dancing with my dad. Round and round and round we floated in an effortless waltz, our feet barely touching the dance floor. It felt as if our own momentum could carry us to the very edge of space and time. It's not a dream I've ever had before and I can't think what prompted it. It can't be drawn from memory because I never danced with dad when he was alive. He was far too frail for that. To say I was a daddy's girl is an understatement. The first sentence I ever tried to string together was Time strike! Daddy come! I would wait by the front door for him to get back from work and when I was old enough I was even allowed to go and meet him at the factory gates. One of my most vivid childhood memories is of waiting for him to arrive home and of my mother bending down to look intently into my seven-year-old face, warning me not to run and jump into Dad's arms, as I'd been used to doing. He'd been in hospital. He'd had surgery. I must be careful not to hurt him. Although Dad still looked the same, he never was the same after that. No more boisterous games. No more being swung high in the air. No more wild football tackles. Instead, he would read to me. He was a natural storyteller, with a fine sense of the dramatic. He would close the book with a decisive thwack, just as the hero entered the haunted house, or the heroine was about to be cut off by the incoming tide, so that my sister and I could hardly contain ourselves until the next evening's instalment. And as the years went by, and he became weaker and even more frail, we had to be quiet so as not to disturb him. And as his world contracted, so we went out and brought back stories to interest or amuse him. We'd do crosswords, listen to the radio together, or just talk. On good days, he would play the piano and we'd sing. But we never danced. He was never strong enough for that until last night. It's 18 years now since Dad died, but in my dream he was vividly alive. And for me it was a glimpse of heaven. For there Dad was well and strong again. All tears were wiped away. There was no more death or mourning or crying or pain. Just the dance
2: My dad was interested in most sports, especially athletics, and most of all high jumping, in which he had once competed as a student. We went to athletics meetings, and he explained the relative technical attributes of the scissor style which he had used, and the straddle, the western roll, and the eastern cut-off, which by then had superseded it. These, two have now been abandoned in favour of the style invented by Dick Fosbury and seen by the world at the Mexico Olympics in 1968, which we watched avidly on the TV, which involves going over the bar head first and backwards. It shouldn't work, but it was amazingly successful. Dad was very dubious about the Fosbury flop when it came in. And now I can understand that this new style marked the end of the world he knew. Dad was a traditionalist in many ways and his faith was pretty traditional. It wasn't about what you said, but how you lived. He was the kind of person people turned to in a crisis. He would give honest but encouraging advice. He put other people first. And he showed his children how to jump, scissor style, over a rope tied between two trees in long summer holidays. None of us did become athletes, but I'd like to think we've all become a bit like our dad.
3: You must remember this A kiss is still a kiss
4: A sigh is just a sigh The fundamental thing
5: to most people, if they have heard of him at all, Harry Nielsen is that guy who had a hit with the song Without You. Or maybe Everybody's Talking, the theme from the movie Midnight Cowboy. But back in 1973, Nielsen surprised his critics by releasing an album of old-time classics, backed by a full orchestra, called A Little Touch of Nilsson in the Night. I don't think it was much of a commercial success, but I do know that it blew my mum and dad away. They caught sight of Nielsen performing songs from the album on a BBC special late one night. I must have been sent to bed long before, fair enough, I was only eight at the time, and it was pretty much all they could talk about the next day. My dad was particularly taken with the relaxed way Harry would lean against the piano, light himself a cigarette and finish his first few puffs just in time to sing the next line of the song. Mum went out and bought the record shortly afterwards, and trust me, we didn't have much money to throw around in those days, so it's a measure of just how much they loved the music. It was on the turntable regularly for the next few weeks, And months and years. I suppose I could have avoided the music, it was hardly cutting edge for a growing lad, but somehow it got under my skin, and years later I'm still word perfect on all the songs. Harry Nielsen died of a massive heart attack in January 1994, aged 52. My dad died of lung cancer a year later, in January 1995, aged 59. A longer innings than Harry, true, but that's small consolation. It's such a cliche to say that time is a great healer More than 15 years after his death It still hurts But I have found the cliche is true I wouldn't have dared listen to Schmielsen Shortly after Dad died As I know I would have howled my eyes out But over time listening to the album Became a way of remembering my father And in the midst of the sadness I have found that it's the good memories that remain I can remember my dad dying Of course I can But why would I want to? when I can put on this CD and sing along with Harry Nielsen and remember Bill McKinnon singing along with him. Rest in peace, Dad.
4: The world will always welcome lovers as
0: Thank you to the GRF team in Glasgow for sharing those Father's Day memories. the years your love has kept and guided urged and inspired us cheered us on our way that was the opening hymn for a very special service in st paul's church hall in ramsey that i attended yesterday evening to officially mark the coming together of two churches the methodist and the united Reformed churches in ramsey let's remind ourselves of the background to this partnership the first one of its kind on the island About four years ago, both churches were facing the reality that the huge cost of maintaining their large old buildings was not a good use of their resources. And so they began gently exploring the possibility of selling their respective properties and coming together as one congregation, meeting for worship in a new place and, freed from the costly upkeep of buildings, looking for new ways to work together for the benefit of the local community and the wider world. Here's Andrew Cole and Aileen Cannell from Trinity United Reformed Church in Ramsey and Alan Gelling from Waterloo Road Methodist Church.
3: About four years ago, in 2015, we were reviewing how we were as a church and what we wanted to do in our community and with the sphere of influence in the, in Ramsey, in the north of the island. It was quite clear that, from a practical point of view, financially, we couldn't sustain meeting and using in in, in the huge building that Trinity is. In addition to that, it wasn't really fit for the kind of outreach and, and mission work that we'd like to do in this century because it's now crossed two century boundaries. Going back a very long time, that there was a, a time when most people wanted to attend worship in a church building on a Sunday and possibly spend quite a lot of their Sunday there. Bible classes and Sunday schools and worship services and maybe sometimes a, a tea and things like that. And that's not in today's culture at all. It's all about networking in different ways around other people's homes and around the town and making less specific use of, of the building for those purposes.
2: We're all very positive and we're all enjoying and loving meeting with the Methodists mm-hmm. and we've gone so well. We're all so alike. Our, our form of worship's very similar and we all have this outlook that we're all going to go and do some outreach in Ramsey. That's Mm. what we'd really like.
3: We'd be looking for premises that can be of service to the people in the community seven days a week Mm. in all kinds of different ways.
6: The facts that you've heard about the URC exactly fit the Methodist Church as well. The problem has been the high cost of maintaining very old buildings. In my whole time as a member at, at Waterloo Road Church, There has been expenditure on maintaining the fabric of a building that was constructed in 1846, and that comes more difficult to fund as the time goes on. The churches have all got assets, but they're all expensive assets, and to make best use of those assets, to join together, to pool your resources, it increases the number of people using a particular facility and reduces the
3: burden on those people to fund that sort of operation. If you look at the bigger picture, the numbers of people of faith worldwide is actually growing. You've just got to flex with where you are in the world and, and work with it. Mm. Everybody understands, I hope by now, that we're not closing as a church, okay. we're just moving. And if it works, then that I'm sure others will be following.
2: Mm-hmm. I, I'd like to add to you that the churches in Ramsey have always worked very well together. We know each other and we've known each other for years, a lot of us, so it's not been mm. difficult. The services mm. are very similar. Mm. There are certain services that are slightly different, like our communion services are slightly different, just the method of doing things. But we've gradually come together and we just mm. accept what we do and we mm. give and take,
6: and it's working very well. I would agree with that. The, the, the services are very similar mm. uh, and it's just a little bit of dovetailing here and there and mm. nobody's had to make any major changes and we work together very well. And so those four years of careful preparation and forging of friendships
0: took another big step forward last night at a service of celebration in St. Paul's Church Hall in Ramsey, the new home for the united congregations of Ramsey Methodist Church and Trinity United Reformed Church. At the service, a declaration of commitment between the two churches was signed by Reverend Richard Hall, leader of the Methodist Church on the Island, and Reverend Jackie Embry, who is moderator of the Mersey Synod of the United Reformed Church, of which Trinity United Reformed Church on the Island forms a part. The Declaration of Commitment was also signed by Rev. Dawn Mather, leader of the United Reformed Church on the island, and Rev. Brian Yardy, who is the minister of Ramsey Methodist Church. At the service, special thanks was given to the vicar and wardens of St. Paul's Church for their invitation to the new congregation to meet each week in St. Paul's Church Hall. But this is much more than just sharing a hall. The Methodist and United Reformed Churches hope to work with St Paul's Church on joint acts of caring within our community, as Andrew Cole now explains
3: what we'd like to do is think about how we wish to serve the community and we're doing that by running what's called a mission audit so we're looking at something called the five marks of mission it's getting a bit technical now (laughs) Uh, but looking at reaching out uh, with with our message and disciple making and worshipping together and serving others and and serving the world as well including green initiatives and things like that and very practical help for example with things like the food bank And so we'd be looking at where the holes are and and decide what action to take.
0: Reverend Richard Hall, leader of the Methodist Church on the island, was full of admiration for what these churches have achieved.
7: Oh, absolutely thrilled. I mean, for these two congregations to recognise the importance of mission and to move on together, I think that's just so exciting. It's It's a model for all of us, really.
0: This has been compared to an engagement that more often than not leads to marriage. Did you find that was a good comparison?
7: Yeah, I think, I think it's a very good comparison. You know, it's, it's a commitment along the way. And it says, yes, there are still things to iron out, things to work out together. But it's about working out together. You know, pre-engagement, you kind of go off into your own corners and dream, don't you? Once you're engaged, you actually do that planning together. And that's where we need to be to see this move forward.
0: We've talked about the journeying together of the two churches and sharing worship and discovering that they really liked each other and found that there was more that united than divided them. But you drew attention to what you described as something very courageous and it was that they decided that as soon as one of the churches was sold that would be the point at which they came together.
7: Absolutely. And to me, it seems as though that piece of risk-taking was what kind of freed the logjam. Up, Up to that point, people couldn't quite envisage how this would happen. But having the courage to say, well, whatever happens, as soon as one building goes, we're going to move out, whichever congregation it had been that sold first then I think that was what made people think, yeah, this is, this is real, this is actually going to happen. And then to have, you know, the wonderfully gracious invitation from St. Paul's to come and use the hall for worship, that just kind of set the seal on it. And I, and I think that's the way God works. You know, we take a little bit of a risk and God says, okay, I'm going to honour that and now here's, here's something in response to that risk. And that really feels as though that's how it happened.
0: The thing that I found particularly encouraging and inspiring about tonight is that you said this is not just two denominations agreeing to worship together, but now it's an ongoing journey to see who else they can work with.
7: Absolutely. One of my colleagues from another denomination said to me recently, you know, we believe as Christians that we're going to spend eternity together, don't we? I said, yeah, that's absolutely right. He said, so perhaps we'd better learn to get on with each other here, hadn't we? And I think this is a model for us. It's a sign. It's a moving forward. Surely, if we can't get to the point on the island where all the Christians work together, how can it happen anywhere else? You know, we all have the same boundary Um, Somebody once said to me, where's your parish? I said, well, if your feet are dry, you're in it. If they're wet, you're out of it. And that's the nature of the island. If we can't do it here, where can it be done? So that's a challenge to us, I think.
0: And you did sum it up when you said that very few people know about this service that's taken place here tonight. Yeah but lots of people know about our divisions. Yeah,
7: absolutely. There's there's a kind of a grieving over that. That's not the way it was intended to be. And that reading from Acts tonight, which talked about the believers in the first place being all together in unity, that's where we're meant to be. Uh, And I know, you know, I know the history, I know why it's happened, but the sooner we can begin to rebuild together as one body, um, the better. As
0: I mentioned a moment or two ago, the United Reformed Church on the island is part of the Mersey Synod of the United Reformed Church, and their moderator or leader, Reverend Jackie Embry, came across from Liverpool to take part in the service and sign the document on behalf of her denomination. And she too was clearly very happy to be here. It's great to be here. This is a very, very special time for us here on the island because it's really the first partnership
8: of this kind. But is this something that you're familiar with in the wider United Reformed Church? church? It is. We've got, in the, in the Mersey Synod, about 20% of our churches are in a partnership of one sort or another. I mean, sometimes it's necessity that drives folk together, but when they get together, the energy just escalates, and good things generally happen. And 95, 99% of, of what we do, who we are, what we believe, we all hold in common, and most of what we don't is purely organisational. And so we need to work together for our faith. We're here to pass on our faith, we're here to serve the community and we can do it much better together than apart. But the thing that I found most interesting was that
0: they don't want this to be the end, they want to be seeing who else they can partner with, how they can draw other people into this and that's a very forward-looking sign isn't it?
8: It is, I mean the United Reformed Church as a whole thought that it was forming itself to die to do exactly that to join with others um, and so far we've, we've not done a lot of that but we're very open to it and locally here they've been very fortunate in that they've been welcomed by the local Anglican church into, into the church hall and I think good things can grow from that as they get to know that they have so much in common and nobody has two heads or anything like that Jackie,
0: here you are in a position of leadership within the United Reformed Church. Did
8: you imagine that this would be how your life would work out? Certainly not. It was a, a big surprise to me. And if you'd have said that 30 years ago, I'd never have believed it. But God does strange things. And it's wonderful. It really is. I've been really privileged to to see lots of things like this happening. And and. There are difficult times, but there's a lot of good times and there's a lot of faithful Christians out there and good things happening. So, yeah, it's it's great.
0: congregation of ramsey methodists and a trinity united Reformed church will now meet every sunday morning at half past 10 in st paul's hall in ramsey and if you'd like to go along there later this morning you can meet not only a very welcoming congregation but also the reverend jackie Embry, who'll be preaching at the service A little more music from last night's service to celebrate the signing of the Declaration of Commitment between the Ramsey Methodist Church and Trinity United Reformed Church. That's all that we have time for this week. Don't forget to take a look at the Praise blog, the home of our Church Notice Board. Just go to manxradio.com, on the home page, click on Air, and on the drop-down menu follow the link for blogs. Thank you for listening to this week's Praise podcast. There's a new Praise podcast available every Sunday morning. You can subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify via the Manx Radio smartphone app or at manxradio.com. So, till we meet again, this is Judith saying thank you for your company and I wish you and those you love every blessing in the days ahead.